dependence of the technology has dramatically increased due to COVID-19 in different business areas and, of course, in you know, government organizations. Technological dependencies has become the bottleneck in European Union strategy and European businesses. And the industry's depends on the external vendors can be major dependencies in different other areas. It could jeopardize the future of information security for small and medium enterprises. In this installment of the conversation, we take a closer look at European cyber autonomy, cyber capabilities, and critical infrastructure on a wide spectrum across institutions as well as the private sector. Uh, hello and welcome to the Diplomatic Academy, the conversation podcast. I'm your host, Petros Pedricos. This episode takes a more technical twist by looking at cyber autonomy, cyber capabilities, and critical infrastructure within the European Union. For such a topic, I'm very pleased to be joined by Irina Leroy. Hello, Irina. It's very nice to have you on our show. Hello. Hello. Uh, uh, Irina Leroy hails from the Czech Republic and has more than 14 years of working experience in ICT and SAAS solutions and international ICT companies in Germany, the Czech Republic, the United States, Ukraine, and Russia. Irina has relevant higher education and work experience qualifications in journalism, marketing, and specifically public relations and investor relations, as well as international economics. She has worked closely with ministries of health and education in the Caucasus and Central Asian countries for seven years, supporting the digital transformation processes for academic institutions. Mrs. Leroy is also the author of the book Building a Reputation, Experience of Non-Governmental Organizations, and she has joined the European Security and Defense College as a PhD fellow back in 2020 and has even served as a representative of the doctoral fellows at the ESDC. Irina also helps businesses and government institutions with digital transformation processes where ICT, SAAS, and cloud solutions are implemented and integrated. Currently, she's working as head of core Western Europe department and one of the biggest French IT and research and development companies responsible for the security of payments and application development in Benelux and Western Europe. From 2021, Irina also teaches risk management at the Université de Lorraine in France. Uh, as I've said already, Irina, it's great to have you here with us. I'd like to begin by asking you to give uh, an overview of the existing capabilities of the EU's cyber autonomy and key critical infrastructure aspects. Thank you, Petras, for introduction. And um, good question. Um, let me please, uh, at the beginning, to to tell you a little bit about the definition so we, we understand uh, what is what. So cyber autonomy, which is primarily reflects to the technological area and define is the technological capabilities and rights an organization to determine, prevent, defend, the, and develop the sovereignty to mitigate the threats and enhance the resilience infrastructure. And at the same time, because we will 
closely uh, also look at the, the reputation. Reputation defense, which as we are defending by having a cyber autonomy, is the act of protection or support of capital and assets that is the instrumental in, uh, uh, in sustaining electronic transaction in order to protect an, uh, an organization to uh, perform uh, an organizational what is there stand for whenever it's a digital or not a digital format. And maybe in the beginning, I would like to, you know, to answer on uh, some important questions and to, again, to to see the full picture. And I call it uh, usually WWC category. Mm -hmm. It means kind of why and who make us to speak about it. So let, let's have a look at this WWC category, who, who and why make us speak. So first of all, about who is there and why we are speaking about autonomy at all. Uh, so companies nowadays, companies seek to reduce the cost by minimizing um, the human-related effects and by um, appropriate, trying to find the appropriate, appropriate coordination of the work in all departments. Among other, others, uh, they are help um, with the help of external IT, SaaS solutions, cloud solutions, etc. Such solutions are often um, in many cases integrated but and this in the company infrastructure but at the same time managed by externals owned by third party suppliers located in another countries so consequently companies commercial users are likely fall into the kind of dependencies or we can call it cyber dependencies from the providers of such services that of course reduce the autonomy of the company in practice it means that termination of any such a providers or solutions means their financial loss reputation loss business destructions uh, and um, that uh, the company uh, will lose a certain part of the know-how, if you will. Uh, in order briefly to define the key features and characteristics of both cyber autonomy and critical infrastructure in EU, we need to have a look at the documents. Um, when, in general, the topic of autonomy was mentioned, in the several important documents that we are issuing in the last 10 years, in my opinion, I can mention a few of them. So this is based on my research, what I noticed, was what I read. The first document in, from 2013, the commission, um, um, let, me, let me tell the, the exact name, the commission and the European External Action Service launched in EU cyber, uh, cybersecurity strategy. In 2016, EU adopted the European Union Global Strategy. We all know about that. Uh, 2017, Strategic Review of the Defense and National Security. And 2020, Digital Decade Package. All of those documents are talking about autonomy. Many of those documents talking about the cyber autonomy or sovereignty. In the 
global strategy for the foreigner and security policy of EU and European Union. Uh, we're also talking about the defense of the security in the member states and cooperation between the member states and armed forces to mitigate uh, the risk uh, crisis, manage the immigration, etc. So um, that is what we have around. Also, at the same time, around we have a certain standards. For instance, it's a ISO standards to sell, uh, I will maybe make it as a as a just numbers, ISO 27001. It's a specifically requirements of information security management system. NIST, NIST uh, toolkit, GDPR, of course, even child knows about that nowadays. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, ISO risk management manager, 31000. ISO quality management, 9001. By the way, all of the standards I have to implement, maintain, and comply with in my daily work. So, cyber autonomy in general, if we look at it closely and we imagine it like a balls that overlap, in the middle would be cyber autonomy. Around would be reputation, information security, and economy or damage that uh, the lack of the autonomy could. Uh, could actually rise. This is a very helpful and interesting overview, I have to say. You've mentioned quite a few keywords there that I'd like to uh, bring out, but uh, I, I think uh, because of what you're looking at, and especially when it comes to digitalizing and uh, living, of course, in the digital era, there's a lot of things that are multidimensional in nature, and uh, especially when it comes to threats, we have multidimensional threats. And I want to focus with uh, this next question by looking at the main threats and the obstacles that they pose to further cyber autonomy within the European Union. What would those threats be in your opinion? In order to answer the question, let me please at the beginning um, also to add in our today's vocabulary another keyword, which is called critical infrastructure. And again, I would like to bring you to my own kind of category, WWS, which is why and who make us speak about this, about the critical infrastructure. Maybe the most um, famous discussion uh, about that uh, and this concept was uh, was recently provided to the, the was, uh, kind of announced by, by President Joe, uh, Joe Biden, who told to reporters that he gave to President Putin the list of 16 critical infrastructure. It happened in 2020. So Joe Biden gave the, to, to Mr. Putin the sectors from energy to water, which is uh, 16 critical infrastructure sectors, and kindly ask, uh, please do not attack. Otherwise, we would be angry. So those critical infrastructure, why it is so important? And after suddenly all people in the CISOs, which is uh, chief information officers, who's responsible of the, of the cybersecurity suddenly start to speak about that. So it is true, it is very true that critical infrastructure 
uh, for example, facilities of the production and supply of the water, electricity, oil, tunnels, railways, and natural gas, and other state property directly linked into the health and, let's call it, business as usual activities of any country. And of course, that is the trends, as, as you said. Example. One of the biggest Brno University Hospital uh, in the city of Brno, Czech Republic. I just recently visited uh, that that city that I love, the city of the good wine, food, and uh, beauty, honesty. So that that hospital was hit by the cyber attack right in the middle of the COVID-19 outbreak. The incident was confirmed by the Czech National Office of the Cyber Information Security, by the way, one of the best in the European Union. Police and hospital staff were working together to recover from the damage and secure their work. But damage was very obvious for all of us, for all of the Czech people. Medical staff was taken by the storm, forced to delay scheduled surgeries and transfer people to nearby hospital. So you can see the, the damage. Critical infrastructure business depends, um, dependencies represents as a great danger. In the case of the failure mm -hmm. of the critical infrastructure system, it may cascade to another and cause even greater damage. Uh, well, you know, however, rising, uh, it also rises to another question, to me at least, what can be considered as a critical infrastructure today? And do we need to watch who is owner by what? For example, we are speaking by Zoom. The root cause and the, the, the roots of Zoom, it's from China. By the way, the security of Zoom is uh, under the big very big question and i know from my experience working with the, with the european commission in the beginning they were using zoom and after it was prohibited of course uh, not officially saying why but we all know zoom by the way is also used by many many educational uh, institutions and I, I just want to add that why we don't use norwegian alternative whereby whereby is a Norwegian company with a 10, more than 10 million users actively using online. It's also a startup, a startup, and uh, you know I, I enjoy to use it anytime with my students also in France in the University de Lorraine. Certainly, many experts, as many experts, we are aware about dependencies of the digital technologies. 16 critical infrastructure sectors that including finance, service, communications, information technology, of course we are aware. And many uh, in this vertical of the sectors, banking or mobile phone services, in one of the company, um, even, I'm sorry, I just want to say that even if one of the company holds or dominate 20 or 25% of the market, I personally just would recommend to consider it is as a potential, let's call it critical power into the market. So when I think about the cloud, uh, first of all, I think of course about uh, Amazon, about Google, about you know, um, the companies like US companies. Between those companies are not European companies, of course, not, not at all. 
uh, by the way, electronic transaction domain, online uh, and terminal payments industries, when I, for instance, work, um, I work in European company uh, that located in France and Belgium with more than 20 million employees. However, let's see what happened in US just recently. Chinese company, who is one of the leader of the terminal payment industry in US, now is under investigation by FBI and ME5. Uh, they conduct an investigation towards, towards Pax because, and what happened, um, the happiness following him, and as economists, I'm telling you that it's very easy to, 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 to see the terminals, payment terminals that you go to the shop and you pay, was involved in the global cyber attacks. And seems like banks were collecting the financial data about the payment transactions of US citizens. By the way, or apropos, as the French people say, it just I just check it that Pax is going to have a, to a mayor region and of course enter to uh, to Europe. So in a nutshell, to answer any questions, critical infrastructures, uh, it's of course sh should be under the close look of for all of us and including governments. We should comply and uh, should we should rely on them because nowadays it's like a blood in our body. It's circulating and we have to maintain it in a good level, in a healthy level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very thorough analysis of uh, what consists of a critical infrastructure, what sort of uh, threats can emanate from there. You've substantially answered as well. You've basically clearly developed the link between cyber threats and uh, critical infrastructure as well. Would you say that certain member states within the EU specifically, do they face the same threats in the same capacity and volume or are some member states more vulnerable than others? Because you, you've, you basically said just now that uh, we all have to take action against this uh, issue. But do you feel that there's an uneven distribution? So do some member states are, you know, face a greater amount of threats? Are they more vulnerable in that regard? Yeah, good question. Today's a day of good questions. <laughs> so um, in terms of the government, um, let's look at it from the beginning, you know, just just to have, again, the picture of it and uh, WWS category to put it in. So in terms of the government regulations in the European level, we have directives and regulations. For example, we have these directives that divide into the three parts, national capabilities, cross-border collaboration, and national supervision of critical sectors. We also have GDPR that I also mentioned just previously for personal data regulations and directives for cloud security from European Union Agency of uh, Cybersecurity. It calls ENISA, the abbreviation. Uh, please note that European Union has no certification system in the cybersecurity as a career. So we are not at all, we are all following only US standards like CI, CCP or CISM that issued by uh, US organizations. So the, the cybersecurity and the European um, 
capabilities of this you know, and the cyber autonomy at all and in general uh, is uh, in the way of of the born, I would say. So the countries dealing, each country dealing separately, but at the same time, they're learning how to cooperate together, how to protect each other, because protecting each other means to protect also the European Union in general. European Commission and uh, countries and local agencies, unfortunately, missed the opportunity, of course, uh, at the beginning, but now it uh, begins more and, and more and more. So, and uh, let me give you the, just some example, the country who is more or less, you know, kind of as a leader of the autonomy uh, and uh, the protection of the uh, European cyber capabilities. For example, uh, the France. Autonomy in the context of information security and economics has, has also been the diplomatical uh, on the diplomatical discussion in France. France historically and particularly now very much understand the importance of the of the autonomy, especially we can see it in the military level. French lead summit on the defense in the first half of 2022 will also, you know, outline that. And with the European Commission as a cheerleader, they will put the topic of the autonomy in the center. Uh, well, the France, uh, as I said, constantly underline the needs of the accumulating sufficient strategic and material resources uh, to sustain independent. This is what they can, of course, um, of course, add. I would like to also say that certain uh, we should co communicate, uh, we should work together. It's obvious. It's, everybody's saying that, and I, I see already the results of it. First of all, it's uh, agencies who is progressing, the national agencies who is progressing, and they they using all of the tools, they cooperating, they they changing the information, but not only inside EU but also outside. Uh, European Union. Uh, for instance, uh, European Union and Ukraine held the first cyber dialogue to improve Ukrainians' resilience to improve legislation in the field. It was already a few very successful cyber operations between EU and Ukraine. For instance, the Ukrainian authorities, together with European Union, neutralize the trans, uh, transnational group, which caused damage to companies that worth about 120 million euros, huge amount, uh, to more than 50 companies um, were attacked during uh, last, uh, I'm not sure, I think it was during three or four years the group was, uh, was behaving. By the way, countries such as Ukraine, France, Norway, Norway was working together. So you can see that other countries within European Union and outside, like neighborhood, already communicating together. These are very concrete examples of what's happening within and outside. And also you've given this interesting elaboration on the existing uh, frameworks and uh, directives that we have, such as ENISA within the EU. And these are all, you know, core to pushing forward a, a concrete cybersecurity strategy but as you've said there are limitations there like the, th the example that you mentioned that 
even within the EU, there's uh, still a lot of reliance on US providers. And speaking of providers, I want to turn your attention to this other question where we are looking at beyond governmental and EU institutional uh, entities. What is the role, in your view, of the private sector and or of uh, non-governmental organizations in shaping cyber autonomy and uh, overarching critical infrastructure within the European Union? Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, we have uh, other actors that also cooperate with us and uh, dependence of the technology has dramatically increased due to COVID-19 in different business areas and of course in you know, government organizations. Technological dependencies has become the bottleneck in the European Union strategy and European businesses of course and the industries depends on the external vendors can be uh, major dependencies uh, also you know the other in the different other areas it could jeopardize the future of information security for small and medium enterprises and um, of course uh, it could have uh, more consequences uh, in the future um, i would like to say that uh, not government organizations and businesses certainly of course uh, they should follow the standards and regulations and now it's a bigger and bigger pressure into that following standards and regulation that we currently have are not totally following and quick enough to adapt to the current situation in the digital market so dependencies and uh, the link between different companies third parties fifth parties, 16th parties, suppliers, it's so, so huge. The chain, the supply chain is enormous. That is sometimes the standards regulations are very difficult uh, to cover. In my point of view, so first of all, what we need to look into closely and what is NGOs and businesses are not quick enough to look into, unfortunately. Of course, it means time, needs adaptation of the certain processes, alignments, etc. So what we need to, to look into, if, of course, I'm speaking about the cyber autonomy right now, it's uh, autonomy of infrastructure, autonomy of suppliers, autonomy of the directives and frameworks and the following of that. We need to secure autonomy of professionals and other people has rights to decide, like me, uh, like a person who is working in this field, to increase autonomy of communications and, of course, develop the autonomy of the process when we also have the rights to choose where we want to be in the next, uh, uh, next day and protect the autonomy of territory. So we need to protect the autonomy of territory of European Union and in the, in the all sense. Currently, no one of the top 15 digital companies in, in, the European Union, in the European Union is European Union. What I mean that world's top 15 digital companies are not European. There is no significant European operational system browsers, social media, network, uh, engine uh, that all belongs to, 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 to different companies. And the estimation of, of, of that gap, it's millions and millions of, uh, of, of euro. In my opinion, the digital, digital transformation of organization 
of course, it also belongs to SMEs, small and medium businesses, which is the biggest part of our economy. In our economy, it's about the 40%, which is a great amount. It's a, it's a, it's a SMEs and even more in some sectors, depends on the country. And, uh, and also it's true that uh, digital transformation of the non-government organizations we need to ensure the cyber autonomy that should have some parameters help to improve the process of organization. So um, how can I say it? Um, cyber autonomy, which um, can be defined as a methodology to to involve necessary parameters to protect and maintain sustainability of the business organizations should be considered by also, also by SMEs and, and of course by non-government organizations who plays a lot of a very important role. Um, but I want to say to you something, you know, in Brussels, uh, when I also live, I, I live in, a, in the three countries at the same time, in France, in Belgium, and Czech Republic. In Brussels, we have uh, more than 15,000 officially registered, unofficially registered lobbyists who is uh, representing the certain companies who is working there. And most of the companies and the transnational companies are uh, who is uh, working in Brussels that, of course, protecting their own rights. So then having cyber autonomy would be very difficult to, to lobby. But that kind of concept of the behavior of NGOs, government and businesses from small to the medium should be kind of like a mindset that aim to protect your own sovereignty of on the market and, of course, sovereignty on the Europe. You are listening to an episode of the Diplomatic Academy, The Conversation. The Conversation series discusses issues of interest in the academic and policy-making world. It focuses primarily on politics and international affairs, diplomacy and culture, technology and security, as well as on ongoing developments in the Eastern Mediterranean. This podcast is run and managed by the Diplomatic Academy at the University of Nicosia, with the help and support of MediaZone University of Nicosia. Yeah, and you know, I think very often it's because we don't really discuss enough of these things. We don't really talk about much about uh, cyber autonomy, we don't talk about critical infrastructure, even sometimes when we do bring these things into casually into conversation, people still don't yeah. know what we mean by critical yeah. infrastructure. And this is definitely a problem. And of course, yes, lobbying uh, is an attempt to change things within obviously as long as it's regulated and uh, transparent, it's a useful uh, attempt to, you know, push through different uh, things, different changes. Of course, there are always risks involved when it comes to, you know, certain private actors uh, advocating specific interests within uh, through the lobbying process. But as long as it's regulated and as long as you're uh, bringing into light things related to critical infrastructure, 
that's what makes the difference. It's about yeah, bringing yeah. it into the uh, conversation. And uh, and I, I want to thank you for this uh, observation. It's, it's so important. And based on this, it actually brings me conveniently to my next question. Because, you know, very often when we talk, talk about things, we create insecurities. We create an insecure environment. So we let's uh, take a, a step back and look at the situation today which uh, when it comes to obviously the pandemic COVID-19, we experience so many different threats out there. And this builds uh, an increasingly insecure environment within the EU. And there's obviously cyber attacks, but also there are hybrid threats, which often have a political objective in mind, which attempt to influence the existing European security architecture, which, as you've already mentioned, it has its problems. So because of this issue, how much do you feel we can actually rely on increased autonomy within the cyber domain? And would increased autonomy make the EU more vulnerable to such threats or would it actually benefit from it? Yeah, yeah. Petras, you just read in my mind. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for the questions. in your questions was a few topics, uh, very interesting. I will try to, to, to cover all of them. First of all, um, you know, it definitely um, cyber autonomy, well, it's aligning with the strategic autonomy uh, that, that uh, you know, concept was uh, was offering, was uh, putting in place by uh, Mrs. Margherini and uh, I'm totally, you know, aligned with, with her point of view. And I guess, I guess, as she said in one of her interviews, it's uh, one of the achievements. She said that uh, strategic autonomy and uh, CSDP, it's one of the, the most uh, mm, valuable achievement during her career and i totally agree and uh, many thanks for her her job and uh, that that he he done so step by step all right yeah <laughs> so uh, he, hybrid traits and the hybrid traits uh, and the hybrid actions i would say it's a uh, historically very very well known for instance, uh, in the United Kingdom, during, uh, uh, I'm sorry that I mentioned it many countries, but you know this, uh, we cannot put out the words from the song. This is the history, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, for instance, in the United Kingdom, and United Kingdom was using the hybrid actions towards the France. Uh, the France-Russian war during the, the Alexander, who is the Russian imperator, actually German region, most of the Russian imperators was only German, Hungarian and Polish region, who is running the country uh, from uh, 1901 uh, till uh, uh, 1825, and who was kind of uh, in love in all sense uh, to Napoleon. So UK was at that time, was supported kind of we can call it right now the terroristic organizations uh, that, uh, frankly speaking, it was just hybrid, uh, hybrid methods to support the certain groups that was fighting and to supporting the certain uh, groups in Russia that helps to, um, to, to, to make France more weak. So it's kind of 
hybrid action. So it was from the different levels, from the different corners that were attacking the, the sovereignty or stability of the France. And um, nowadays, of course, it's brilliant relations and, and it's and right, and right. And two mature countries are cooperate together. Uh, that is, uh, it's nice to see. And this is the case nowadays. However, that hybrid actions is very no, well known in the, um, in the historical level. Or, for instance, uh, just recently, we can see also in Afghanistan, China announced the support of Afghanistan. And I'm almost quoting, uh, just saying that Chinese government has recently promised in new Afghanistan government the emergency human aid and the, uh, you know, certain support of more than 200 millions of yuan. Uh, so that kind of also can call like hybrid actions. We support here, we support there, blah, blah, blah. So, Nowadays, the building, building the resilience is essential to prevention and protection against the hybrid threats. If you're autonomous, you basically not, don't need to take a lot of, um, um, I would say, the unnecessary help, or you are free to decide. It's like very much human. If you're independent, you have a house. Mm -hmm. You have a work, you have your friends, you have your all of the all the all of the four wheels in your vehicle, which is uh, friends, uh, work, uh, health, and money, financial stability. You can go. You are free to perform and to shine. So that is, of course, uh, will limit uh, the hybrid actions uh, in the limit the number of attacks in the cyberspace. Challenging perhaps is to understand how the physical and virtual, and virtual uh, infrastructure networks is combining in their hybrid uh, perspective. Um, we are speaking about the in Russia and China recently, and I'm sorry, we just cannot mention, do not mention uh, the, the certain uh, uh, government's actions and uh, of course I'm not mentioning about the people it's only about the government way uh, uh, to, to, to behave and it seems like the um, the cyber it's a kind of low-cost tool in fact it's just with a human brain only tool and uh, that that use in order to um, disable the financial or energy sector and um, um, that is interesting to see mm -hmm. that is interesting to to have a look into we have a traditional actions uh, of manipulation and cyber attack of the critical infrastructure it's more likely to have a kind of complementary uh, and uh, Sometimes our uh, experts call, call it, make it sexy, like it put cyber in it. So that kind of that. There is cons uh, corresponding into increase of the value of cyber autonomy uh, of the enterprise ecosystem. And certainly in the country critical infrastructure protection strategy. So considering the cyber threats, we need to again, and I will highlight it, to um, increase the value and of course, it's uh, corresponding into it, into the cyber autonomy as, a, as an ecosystem that helps us to, to protect um, 
to protect our uh, infrastructure. Because the aim of cyber autonomy is defend, develop sovereignty to mitigate risks and the resilience of, of infrastructure. I like very much the examples that you've brought forth, the country examples, but also the uh, <laughs> the comparison you've made to think of uh, autonomy, but also cyber itself as as a human. So operating from a human standpoint, and that's very uh, interesting. I didn't even consider this approach myself. So thank you <laughs> for bringing in these examples. You're welcome. Um, but now... Um, I would like to bring this uh, final question, but I'm sure it's going to be a very interesting answer, uh, to give us uh, a few words about your research progress and the more technical aspects of what you are currently examining and what is of interest to your research. Uh, I see that you expect my answer will be interesting. So make it. I, I would like to make it even more interesting then. <laughs> <laughs> so... I would like to refer to and to describe my progress based on the Greek literature. Okay. Uh, the greatest belief that uh, was born about 2,500 years ago, it was born as a religion. And it brings, in my opinion, the best progress, the best achievements in one of one of the best achievements for our enter the value to all of the people around the world and actually it was born in greek and greece and that we can see every day in art in architecture in mathematics in geometry in culture you remember this uh, that belief that was uh, religion uh, 2500 years ago uh, about the Zeus, Hera, Poseidon, uh, Athena, Apollo, uh, Aphrodite, Hermes, uh, etc. So, all of that brings us that wonderful um, feelings and application of the in the art, in the architecture, in the geometry, because you cannot. Uh, create such a beauty without mathematics, without scientists, without understanding the human body. And why am I saying that? Because in my opinion, what I'm admiring at all, a, a, um, a lot in the cyber autonomy and also in the, in the world, in, in the daily life, it is intelligence, loyalty, and as I said in the beginning, mm -hmm. reputation. So cyber autonomy, it's close, in fact, to the intelligence, loyalty, and reputation. Um, my research is, uh, is not finished yet. And I made very interesting conclusions also about the influence on the cyber autonomy in the company's shares. Uh, you know, in the in the in the market, in the financial market, because uh, you know, I'm I'm economist also, and uh, and uh, I couldn't uh, pass, uh, I couldn't leave it uh, aside. So also touching that point. So in in general, creating a complex view from the different angles, such economy, information, cybersecurity, or information security, reputation as a comprehensive defense program, it could be challenging, but possible. It gives us, as I said, their loyalty, intelligence, certain freedom to decide, 
to belongs to the civilization that we we all belongs to. Um, um, I, I see that uh, the work can achieve the solid position through the systematic approach to the elements and sub-elements that I am describing in my work and integration into the organizations and effectively used by cyber autonomy could mitigate the, the, the traits, of course. And of course, it's a, in my opinion, again, it's very much uh, aligned with the strategic view of the current documents that we are having in European Union in external action service, strategic development that were mentioning by many high representatives. Uh, and uh, it also aligned with uh, current standard regulations that we have. The frameworks, uh, uh, it's aligned with uh, um, external action services documents that we can see. And uh, it's of course the complex, uh, complex um, um, methods and the output uh, would be not easy to implement as anything, not easy to implement, of course, but I'm sure uh, it's possible because again, Cyber policy, operational guidelines, ensuring the policy of review of the operational guidelines is a critical for cyber autonomy, but it is ensure the sovereignty of, of our European Union. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. This, this is uh, why I like discussing uh, this bit and why I often ask this question on uh, research in general, because every person that I ask this, they have so many different and diverse things to say that is just very uh, good to hear. And that's also very refreshing because, yeah, because of the interesting take that you've take, you, you take, you've taken it from back several centuries ago, going up until today, how it's been modernized, how uh, things uh, relate to each other and there's always continuity it's like a puzzle and it all fits in together and that's really good to hear from uh, other researchers as well so at this point I'd like to thank you so much for your contribution it's been a very interesting conversation and I'm sure we will have uh, plenty of other conversations as such at the uh, CSDP doctoral school thank you so much for your time Irina yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. And let me just from the end say you something uh, that I believe that you should you should hear and your audience uh, could hear. You know, the, at the end, uh, I would like to to give you as a kind of little gift to you and to your audience a very small expression. I like hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times good times create weak men and weak men create hard times so that would be my little gift uh, to the audience and I hope you will be strong enough in this hard time to create good time for for us and uh, also for our families and uh, of course for all society that we are living in. Again, uh, thank you for having me today. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for your kind words. Thank you so much. 